Greetings, friends. Welcome to the Dutill Sermons podcast. I'm Tom Parkinson, senior pastor at Dutill Church. Every week we use this podcast to share our weekly sermons at Dutill Church. We'd love for you to click like or subscribe and follow along with us every week. Today, we are continuing our series called 18 Minutes on the Sermon on the Mount. And today's sermon is called Visibly Different, looking at the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. We hope that you find meaning and inspiration in this week's message. Our 18 minutes for today begin right now. The statistical evidence is undeniable. Christianity in America is on the decline, and it has been for the last 60 years. According to a recent study by the Pew Research Center, the number of American adults who claim Christianity as their religious faith has dropped by 12% in the last 12 years. And the pace of the decline is only quickening after the pandemic. What is more, the fastest growing religious group in our country are what are called as the nuns. It's the people who, when you ask them their religious faith, they say, I have none. I have no religious affiliation. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about the reasons why less and less people in our country claim the Christian faith. But what I want to do is focus on one reason why it's not happening. It is not the case that there are less Christians in our country because our country is becoming less spiritual. The same statistical data indicates that most adults still have faith in God. It's just that there's an increasing number of people who don't feel compelled that they need to be part of an organized religious community in order to exercise their faith in God. And why is that? Well, you and I live in a very individualized culture, and we like things to be our way and to be private. And in America, we have this phenomenon of private faith that has developed. We have a tendency to treat our faith in God like therapy. Right? If I go to a therapist, I will find from the therapist the help that I need to cope with the challenges of my life. I'll find resources to feel better about myself and to better be able to navigate my life. But my relationship with my therapist is strictly private. It's nobody else's business. And it doesn't really impact the way I relate to the rest of the world. Well, if you take that kind of model and you apply it to faith, you've got what's happening in our country. Then increasingly, people see faith in God as a form of therapy. So I come to God and I believe in God so I can get the help that I need to find meaning and hope and purpose and value in my life, but my relationship with God is private. It's just between me and God. It doesn't really have anything to do with anybody else. We even see this privatization of faith happening inside churches, right? It's, it's easy to go to church and kind of get what I need out of the church, but then it doesn't really impact the way I live day to day, or it's really a private thing, right? It's a consumer-driven model of faith that's purely American, right? The grand buffet of American churches. You can pick whichever church you want, find the one that feeds you best, and get what you need out of it. Well, interestingly, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, you get this sense that Jesus never envisioned a faith that is private. Now, to be clear, Jesus believes that genuine faith is always 
personal. The disciples that followed Jesus up onto a mountainside for that beautiful 18 minutes of teaching we call the Sermon on the Mount, each and every one of those early disciples had a very personal and powerful experience with Jesus. There were some on that mountainside who had been healed of chronic illnesses that had plagued them for years. There were others who'd been freed from demons. And there were still others who had found release from the guilt and shame of a sordid past. All of them up there had an individual, personal experience of forgiveness and mercy and love and peace and joy. They found it in Jesus, and it's what led them to say, I want to follow you. And yet, while each of them had a personal experience of Jesus, for none of them was that a private experience. But for each one of those disciples, that personal experience became a springboard to change the way they lived publicly. It changed the way they related to their neighbors and to the community and to the world around them. And when I read the Sermon on the Mount, I get this very clear sense that Jesus would want you to know this, that the Christian faith is always personal and it is never private. It's not like Jesus took his disciples up on the mountain as a way for them to escape the world. He didn't say to them, come up with me on a mountain, we'll set up a, a little village up here, and we'll separate ourselves from the rest of the world and we'll never go back. No, instead what Jesus said is, come with me up the mountain, I'm going to teach you a new way to live, and then I'm going to send you back into the world. And your faith, which is deeply personal to you, is going to have a very public and social dimension to it. And the way that Jesus described that very public portion of faith is with two phrases that Carlin just read for us. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. It's really important when you read those words that you realize that the word you is in the second person plural. If we were Southern, it's y'all are the salt of the earth. If we're Western Pennsylvania, it's yin's guys are the light of the world, right? That's what Jesus is saying. So get this, the people that come up on the mountain, they are individuals who have had a deeply personal experience of Jesus. But when Jesus addresses them, he says, you're a bunch of individuals, but I'm looking at you all collectively. And collectively, there's something that you're going to be together for the world. And it's really important for us to wrap our mind around that because that should guide the way we aspire to form our community of faith here at Dutill. One of the things I dream of for Dutill Church is that every individual who comes to our church family will find spiritual therapy here. I am praying that every individual here will have a very personal encounter with Jesus. And I hope that because you're a part of this church family, that you will regularly experience forgiveness and freedom and mercy and love and joy and peace in Jesus. I want our faith experience to be deeply personal, but I don't ever want our personal experience to become private. There is a y'all in this room and on the other side of these cameras. There's a us and Jesus has a mission that he calls us to, 
And that mission is bigger than what any one of us could do on our own, and it's very public. And the truth is this, if there is a do-till church sitting in Cranberry Township, then Cranberry Township and Mars and Adams Ridge and Evan City and Zelianople and Harmony and Pine and Wexford and Freedom and Batum and, and all these communities that we come out of, they shouldn't be the same because we're here. This, this spiritual therapy, this, this healing and salvation we find here is not meant to be private, it's meant to be public. You see, what Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is that the community of those who follow Him, we call that the church, the church exists for the sake of those outside it. The whole reason we're here, I mean, if, if the whole reason that the church existed was just so that we individually could be saved, then why don't we just confess Jesus as Lord and go straight to heaven? Why are we here living this life? Well, we're here living this life because there's a mission we have to the world. And when Jesus describes that mission, he uses the images of salt and light. And I want to spend just a few minutes unpacking what those images really mean. So in Matthew 5, verse 13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, in Jesus' day, there were lots of ways that people used salt, but there were two primary ways that salt was used in everyday life. First, salt was a preservative. In the days before refrigeration, salt would keep meat from decaying too quickly. And so it was your way of keeping your meat from spoiling. Secondly, salt was used as seasoning, the way you and I use it. And when you use salt as seasoning, what's the point? The point is to enhance the flavoring of food. So when Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth, he's saying, okay, you've got a role to play in preserving the earth from decay, and you've also got a role to play in flavoring the experience of life on earth. Life on earth ought to be enhanced, flavored, because of your presence, and life ought to be preserved. Now, when I think about that, I think, you know, that's interesting. Imagine if over the last 2,000 years, if no followers of Jesus ever made their faith public. Imagine if they all kept it private. What would happen to the world? Well, don't you know that that innovations like hospitals and schools and community centers, I mean, they're all started by Christians who took seriously the call of the gospel. Like, what would our world look like if we never thought it was important to care for somebody who was sick? Or if we never thought about, you know, building an orphanage? There is a, a preserving value that we bring to the world, and the world would decay and lose sight of God's truth without the presence of disciples of Jesus. And Jesus gives this warning about not allowing the salt to become less salty. Well, if you have pure salt, you can't make it less salty. The only way you make salt less salty is you do what? You mix it up with other things. You dilute it with other things. And one of the concerns that I think Jesus would bring to us if he was preaching this sermon to us today is he would be like, hey, 
When you mix your Christian faith with a hyper-individualized culture that thinks that what you believe about God is your business alone, you have a temptation to become less salty. And there are so many of us that feel like it's really not appropriate for me to talk in public about my faith in Jesus. It's a little bit out of bounds, right? That's salt losing its saltiness, Jesus would say, right? Who you are as a follower of Jesus, you should wear it on your sleeve. That doesn't mean you got to be one of those people that wears a t-shirt every day that says I'm a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean you got to go knock door to door everywhere, but you shouldn't hide it either because you're the salt of the earth. Jesus goes on in verse 14 to say, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Here we see Jesus echoing the vision of the prophet Isaiah, who imagined the people of God as a city built on a high hill, and all the nations of the world would look and see that city and say, that's where we want to go. And that all the nations, through the testimony of Israel, they would come and they would experience salvation in God. And so when when Jesus says, you're the light of the world, he's saying, look, like I'm going to elevate you as my followers, and people ought to be able to look at you and find their way to the truth of God. Now, here's the thing you got to remember about light. When you turn on the light, the point isn't to draw your attention to the light. The point is for the light to illumine everything else, right? If you go into a dark room and you turn on the lights, you don't stare into the light, right? You turn on the lights so that you can better see everything else. In the same way, Jesus says, when I'm telling you you're the light of the world, I'm not asking you to put the spotlight on yourself, right? Later on in the sermon, Jesus is going to caution us about wanting too much attention on ourselves. He says, no, 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 no. I want you to shine the light of Christ so that others can start to see reality for what it is, and they can see the truth. And he cautions. He says, look, if you have this light, it's shining within you. You don't put it under a bowl, because if you put it under a bowl, then others can't see. And I think one of the concerns that Jesus would have if he was preaching this word to us today is he would say, too many of you are putting your faith under a bowl, right? In a culture that says your faith is private and it's your business, like you're putting it under a bowl when you don't allow others to see the hope and the joy and the life that's in you in Jesus. And so Jesus says, I need you to be salt and light in the world. And it makes me wonder, How will our community be different if we took seriously this call and became salt and light? Well, there's one issue that God has really been laying on my heart and burdening me with in, in recent days, and it's the plight of teenagers in our society today, and I'm looking at some of them up there. When I was a teenager, it was really hard to be a teenager. It's like 10 times harder now to be a teenager. And one of the things that I see happening amongst teens is an identity crisis. We are not helping our kids figure out who they are and what their meaning and value is in life. And I wonder, is there any salt and light to season and flavor and avoid these kids from going down paths of decay? Because here's the truth. Your identity is not what your grades say about you. Your identity is not the college you go to. Your identity is not the group of friends you hang out with. Your identity is not your gender. It's not your sexuality. It's not your race or ethnicity. That's not your identity. 
Your identity is that you're a child of God made in the image of God, so beloved by God that he sent his only son to die for you. And if you find your identity and worth in anything other than that, you're going to experience decay. Is there any salt or light speaking that truth into our kids? Guess what? Y'all are the salt of the earth. That's our responsibility. And we've got to help teenagers see the truth about who they are. And if they find their identity in Christ, all the other things start to sort themselves out. But this is the most important thing. Every teenager out there, I'm looking at some of them right here, you belong to Jesus. That's the truth about you. That's the light that shines in you. And everything else is just a mirage. So don't believe that hogwash. Your identity is in Christ. How about another issue that really burdens my heart? It's the epidemic of loneliness that has pervaded our culture. And it's particularly seeped in to our senior adult community. You know, one of the things about our culture is we have all these advances in the retirement industry. We've got 401ks and Roth IRAs and beautiful retirement housing that we build all over the place. And so on one level, if you're a retiree, you've got a chance to live your best life you've ever had. And yet I consistently talk to retired folks who feel dislocated, who feel lonely and feel purposeless. They feel forgotten. They feel alone. Well, is there any salt and light? Well, the salt and light that I see coming out of Jesus is that your life has value from beginning to end and that you can retire from the physical labor of the day, but you never retire from being a disciple of Jesus, that you never retire from being so loved, seen, known, and valued that God cares about you. Is there salt and light in this community of faith to say there should be no lonely seniors in this community? And we're going to be thoughtful about how we care for our neighbors in that phase of life. Or how about this? Technology has created incredible advances for our lifetime. We have medical technology that can take us to places we never thought we could go, that can heal us of things we never thought we could be healed of. We have artificial intelligence that can write your term paper for you, right? We have all kinds of really cool gizmos and gadgets, and yet our relationships are starting to fray. Is there any salt and light that can say to the world around us, your relationships matter. There's a God who created you for face-to-face interaction. The message of Jesus is to be salt and to be light in the world, to not make your faith private, but to live your faith publicly, to let your light shine and sprinkle a little salt. And that's today's word from the Lord in 18 minutes. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this week's message. If you'd like to take a next step in responding to the message, you can click the link in the description and you can find a message discussion guide that'll allow you to reflect on the message and maybe even join a small group. Also, we'd love to have you worship with us at Dewtill Church. You can worship with us in person on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 o'clock, or you can worship live online at dewtillchurch.org. Be sure to stop back next week when we'll continue our series with our next message.